Hello, hello, beautiful people. Boy, do I have an interview for you today. One of my favorite things about talking to people in recovery is hearing about their journeys and what they've overcome to get to where they are today. And I think this interview with Paul Casey today really showcases a lot of pieces of that puzzle. The journey, the inspiration, where the motivation came from, how he handled things. I think you'll find a lot of value in what he has to say. And it was a real pleasure to get to know him a little more. We uh, come from the same business circle and I'm just happy to have met him and get to know him. So I hope you enjoy as much as I do. Thanks so much, beautiful people. Hello, Paul. Welcome to 321 No Kidding. How are you today? I'm excellent, Bobby. Nice to see you. You too. Thanks so much for being here. I'm excited to have you on and, and let you share your journey with my audience. So I will give you the floor to introduce yourself, please. First off, Bobby, I want to thank you for allowing me to be on your show. You know, we have a uh, mutual friend that I found out about your show through. Actually, we have a few mutual friends, but you had um, Jason Bymer on your show, you know, and that's kind of where I found out about your show. So yeah, my name is Paul Casey. I am a online and in-person fitness coach out of California. I do a combination of fitness, nutrition, and mindset training for both my online and my in-person clients. I am a recovering drug addict and alcoholic. Yeah, I've got a pretty intense story. You know, I started I started off, you know, at a young age, 15 years old. I started drinking alcohol. I started using drugs. And basically for me, drugs and alcohol tied into incarceration, right? So from the age of 15... I started getting high and I started drinking and I started going to jail as well. So I grew up in the system. Right? I grew up in and out of juvenile hall. I grew up in and out of boys' homes. And you know, I had a pretty rough childhood. My mom was also a drug addict, alcoholic. My dad was physically and emotionally abusive. And, you know, it's crazy because I would always tell myself, this is the crazy thing about addiction, right? Is I would always tell myself I would never be like my mom, right? She was homeless at times. My parents, you know, they got divorced because of her addiction and because of my dad's anger issues. And I always told myself I would never be like her, you know, but addiction, you can't choose addiction, right? It's just, it's just a part of you. We all have, you know, those that have that gene in us, that addictive mentality or personality, like it's a part of us, right? And so as soon as I got my hands on some drugs and alcohol at the age of 15, I was hooked immediately. And, you know, it took me down a very dark path. And, you know, so I, in and out of juvenile hall as a kid, in and out of boys' homes as a kid. Once I hit 18, I was in and out of jail, in and out of prison. And when I was 22, it all came to a halt. So when I was 22 years old, I got in a verbal altercation with someone. I was high on drugs. My mind was not where it should have been. I pulled a gun on this guy and I threatened to kill him. I ended up getting sentenced to 10 years of prison, right? And I did every day of that 10 years. You think, you know, a lot of people would think, you know, you get sentenced to 10 years in prison. Okay, you know, I'm done. I'm done with this. But for me, I wanted to change. I remember having a conversation when I was in the county jail, Right with uh, my mom and I had talked to my brother, my girlfriend, you know, all these people that cared about me. And I told them like, okay, I don't want to be that person no more. I'm going to stop doing drugs. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to become a better person. I wanted to change, but I didn't know how to change. Right. And I know there's a lot, I'm, I, I'm sure there's going to be people that listen to this podcast that are probably in the same boat or have been in the same boat of wanting to change, but not knowing how to do so. Okay. So I ended up going into prison and when I, my, in my mentality, my thought process was like, okay, first off, I got to change the way I look, okay? I got to change my outward appearance. I was always a really skinny kid, right? Which is, it's kind of ironic that I'm now in the fitness industry, right? Because I was always that skinny kid. I was 160 pounds, soaking wet, six feet tall. I was super skinny. Um, I wrestled in high school 
And when I wrestled in high school, Bobby, I was so small. I had to wrestle the only girl on our team. Okay. Aww. Right. So, so because of that, I was picked on. I was bullied because of that. And so I started developing anger issues. I used drugs to run away from the, my feelings of inadequacy. Yeah. So when I got into prison, I thought the first thing I want to do, okay, first off, I'm going to start working out. And I got obsessed with working out. I started reading all the books, all the magazines, everything I can do. And I started educating myself and started pushing my body to the extreme at every opportunity I could. And over time, I progressed and I was no longer that skinny kid, right? Exercise became an outlet for me. That and I was given the opportunity to go to school while I was there. Mind you, when I say go to school, I don't actually mean like going to a classroom and seeing a teacher. It's more like, here's your books. Here's your homework. Go lock yourself away in your cell and teach yourself history and teach yourself English and math and science and these different, you know. And so I started working on a college degree, right? And I started teaching myself. I would read the book. I would do the homework assignments. I would, you know, and we'd turn them in. We'd, we'd mail them to the teacher, right? It was correspondence classes. So for me, that was changing, right? Okay, I'm changing my body and I'm changing my mind, okay? Which, of course, that's a good, that's a good direction to go initially. But I never actually changed the internal issues. I never actually worked on my emotional intelligence, as it's called, right? And because of that, I was still really broken inside, and I didn't know how to react or respond to situations in a healthy manner. I did do really well for a while. Eventually, I became an inmate firefighter. I worked my way all the way down to where I was basically like a low security inmate. I was not considered a troublemaker, and I was given an opportunity to give back to my community. And I'm in California, where there's every summer, the whole state burns up. And I went, I've been on a lot of fires. I was an inmate firefighter for two years. I learned so many skill sets that, that could be used, could have been useful when I got out had I chosen that career path. And I was doing some good in the world, right? And, and I always remember going on these fires, Bobby, and seeing these signs, you know, and you can tell they're written by little kids. And they say, thank you, firefighters. We love you. Be safe, this and that. And maybe they were specifically for inmate firefighters, but we were doing, we were on the front lines, right? So I took that to heart. Like I was doing some good. In my addiction and in my past lifestyle, I didn't always do the right thing. I did a lot of harm to the community. And I felt this was an opportunity for me to give back, okay? Mind you, during all this, my mom had gotten her life in order, right? She got her life in order before I went to prison, actually. She became my backbone. She became my number one supporter throughout all of this. She would come visit me. She would send me money when I needed it. She would just really take care of me, right? And in 2013, that all came crashing down. She was diagnosed with cancer. She died, right? She died in 2013. I was at fire camp at this time. And, you know, once again, rewinding back to what I said a little, little while ago, I had worked on my mindset. Not really my mindset, but I had worked on my, my education, my knowledge. I had worked on my body, my physical, my physiology, right? But I hadn't worked on my emotional intelligence. I hadn't worked on how I would deal with situations when they come. How, you know, they say like facing life on life's terms. I hadn't worked on that yet, right? So when my mom passed away, it hit me like a, a sack of bricks and I, I broke down. I, I lost all control of everything I was doing positive and I just gave up. I totally gave up on life. I went back to what I know, right? Drugs and alcohol is how I mask pain. I was in so much pain. I didn't know what else to do. I started using, you know, there's drugs in prison, you know, and, and I started using drugs again. I started getting in a lot of fights and I started getting myself in some trouble. And eventually I got kicked out of fire camp, right? Because I was just, I wasn't acting like a model inmate, right? I wasn't acting like someone they feel is safe to go out in the community and do work and help, you know? Because of that, I got kicked out of fire camp and I got shipped out to, I don't know where you're located, Bobby, but have you heard of San Quentin State Prison? The name rings a bell. I'm in upstate New York. Okay. It is pretty famous across 
across the nation, right? So San Quentin is a pretty famous prison in California. And I got shipped there. And the crazy thing about San Quentin is there's you have, there's a fork in the road when you get to San Quentin. Okay, there's two routes you go. San Quentin is in the Bay Area, so there's access to a lot of things. Okay, there's access to a lot of drugs in San Quentin, and there's access to a lot of programs and self-help groups and opportunities for growth in San Quentin. Initially, I got into San Quentin. My addiction was still strong. It had his evil grips upon me. And I got to San Quentin and I dove head deep into whatever drugs I can get my hands on. And my addiction just, it was, it was a pitfall. And I was falling fast. And because of my behavior, you know, in, in California, you can get out early on good behavior. But I wasn't having good behavior. And therefore, I extended my stay longer than I needed to stay there. Initially, I was supposed to get out of prison on August 1st, 2017. Right? That would have been nine years in, you know. And because of everything I was participating in and, and everything, you know, I had extended my stay longer than I needed to. And August 1st, 2017 came and passed me by, right? And when it passed me by, I mean, it still took a few weeks after that, but that was like my rock bottom, right? That those, those three weeks after my release date, really just everything, I, I fell into a deep depression. The drugs weren't working anymore, right? It was like, no matter how much drugs I put into my system, I still hated myself. I still hated my life. I still just couldn't stand myself. I couldn't stand to look myself in the, in, the, in the mirror, right? I just didn't want to live no more. But all the while, while all of this was going on, there was this guy in my dorm, right? He's a good friend of mine to this date. And I, you know, to be honest with you, I was super jealous of him because I knew that when he got out of prison, he would never come back, okay? He was going to NA and AA and he was doing self-help groups and he was in school and he was in a vocation program that was teaching him job skills for when he got out. He went to church every Sunday. And, you know, a lot of people made fun of him, right? A lot of, you know, prison, you're not supposed to do the good stuff. They want, you're commended for doing bad stuff, right? But I was secretly jealous of this guy because I wanted to be where he was at. And I didn't know how to be there. I couldn't be there because I had not changed my emotions. I had not gotten a hold of these internal issues that were, were dragging me down consistently when I was upset or when I, when, you know, life would throw things at me. And so, you know, when my release date passed me by, you know, it, took me, it still took me another three weeks, but sitting there, like, as I got deeper into that depression and the more I didn't want to live no more, the more I knew that something had to change. Right. And so on August 31st, so this is 30 days after my release date passed me by, so it still took me about a month to get out, like kind of get the courage, I guess I would say, get the courage to reach out to this man and be like, hey bro, I need some help. I'm, I'm falling, I'm falling fast, I'm at rock bottom and I need your help, right? You know, I, I, I talk to my clients and I talk to people in my life about this. I'm a huge proponent of coaches, right? Of mentors, of reaching out to someone who has a specific skill set that you need help with and whether you ask them for help or whether you pay them to help you, whatever goal you have, you know, I find it more, it's a lot faster and more efficient if you find something that has already been there to lead you through there, right? So, like I said, I've been watching this guy, you know? I've been watching this dude this whole time making these changes in his life. And when I was finally felt I was ready and I had the courage to ask for his help, I did that. And he immediately was like, yeah, man, I got you. He took me to my first NA meeting, right? Narcotics Anonymous. I went to that NA meeting and he's like, oh, there's an AA meeting tomorrow. I went to the AA, the Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. I went to that one. So, oh, by the way, I know this other thing you might be interested in. And before you know it, I started diving into all these programs that Santa Quinn had to offer. And I'm talking about there's a lot of programs, right? They had like substance abuse, which I needed, anger management, which I definitely needed, 
family relationships, about just rebuilding the family dynamic. I even took a parenting class. I, I joke about this all the time, Bobby, right? Because I don't have any kids, okay? <laughs> I took a parenting class because it was just like whatever program you have to offer me, whatever knowledge, whatever abilities I can acquire to become a better person, I needed that, right? I needed to fill my time with something positive because I knew that if I didn't, either A, I was going to stay in prison for the rest of my life, or B, I was going to get out, I was going to hurt myself or someone else and end up in prison for the rest of my life or end up dead, right? And I wasn't willing to take that chance no more, right? So I started really diving deep into, into myself. And as I started to change myself, I also started to change my perspective on how I saw the world around me and how I saw myself, right? And I started to realize that I actually have some potential, right? I have some potential to become a better person. And, and because of that, I, you know, participating in these programs, I took a program that it was an entrepreneurship program, actually, right? It's called Defy Ventures. And what they do is they come into institutions and they, they're all across the country. They come in institutions and they take people like, like myself that have these, these, all these ideas and these thoughts and teach us how we can use them to be successful members of the community, okay? And with that program and other programs, I, I started working on myself, but I also started working on a business idea, Okay. So the biggest thing that they always told us was, okay, what do you like to do? I was the guy, you know, that was known on, on the rec yard as the guy you go to for fitness advice, right? I was the guy that came in at 160 pounds soaking wet and was now over 200 pounds of muscle, right? All with pull-ups and push-ups and different variations of squats and, you know, like all body weight stuff. We don't have weights there, right? This is all calisthenics and body weight movements that I use to build up a, a pretty decent physique. And I was the guy that people would reach out to like, hey man, um, I'm trying to lose some weight or hey man, I'm trying to get bigger biceps or how can I learn how to do a pull-up or this? And I would, you know, I would share my knowledge and I read some magazines and I read some books and I, I gain more knowledge and I go share it with people. We try different things out on myself, on the guys around me. And I was like, man, you know, I really like to work out. And I'm really good at it. And I have a lot of knowledge, I have a huge skill set. And you know, and I got this idea like, okay, well, why don't I get out and do this for a living, right? Because not only did I really enjoy working out, but I really enjoyed helping others, right? My mom, once she got her life in order, she became a nurse, okay? And as a nurse, her whole goal in life was to help others. Like I said at the beginning, when I was talking about my mom, her being homeless at one point. So I remember a time when my mom was homeless. Okay, and it was and it's interesting because we got Thanksgiving coming up soon, right? And this this brings up these these memories, right? Of going to see my mom for Thanksgiving because she has split custody with my father, and going to homeless shelters for dinner, for Thanksgiving dinner, and then eventually coming back to those same shelters and helping to feed the homeless, right? And being on the other side of that little that little glass, you know, going from being the one getting receiving the food to being the one giving the food on Thanksgiving, you know? And, you know, so she did instill this idea of helping others inside of me. So now I was like, okay, when I have an opportunity to kind of live through my mom and help others, but also do something I enjoy doing. So I put together this business plan. Another big thing that I, I'm a huge proponent of with, with my clients, with my friends, with anyone I speak to is setting up a game plan, right? That is super important. Because you can have all these ideas in your head, but if you don't sit down and write them down and set up a plan on how you're going to make those ideas work, they're just a jumble of words, you know? And, and so that's what I did. You know, I got all this free time on my hands, right? So I started writing ideas down. I got booklets full of stuff. So when they finally let me out that front door, I had all of this stuff written down. And as time has been, you know, I've been out for a little over two years now. And in the time I've gone out, I've knocked one goal off the list, boom, cross that out, get the next one done, cross that out. I started knocking goals out and then adding new goals to it. And slowly as time has progressed, 
you know, I, you know, recently, you know, in the middle of this pandemic, I started my own business, you know, and my, my business is going really well right now. Really well. Like I'm super excited and it's continuing to grow. Right. I know that without that game plan, that wouldn't be a possibility. I know that if I was still hooked on drugs, that wouldn't be a possibility, you know? And I know if I hadn't started out first off that first day, reaching out to my buddy in there and asking for his help. And then now reaching out to people out here and asking for the help, for their help, you know, hiring Eric was a, a, a lifesaver right there. Like that really helped me out, you know, like doing things like that and reaching out and hiring a coach and, and stepping outside of my comfort zone. You know, I grew up in with the, in the household where you know, men don't ask for help. That was a big thing. My dad was like, men don't ask for help. Just do it on your own, you know, and that's, that's a lot of crap, you know, and, and now moving forward in my life, you know, I'm like, I ask for help because I don't know everything. I wish I knew everything, but I don't. Right. And plus that'd be kind of boring if I knew everything. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, um, true. So yeah, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at now. A little over two years out, I've got it, you know, I'm, I'm making really decent living both off my business and I have a job that I love. I'm a, I'm a fitness coach for Orange Theory Fitness. I do group training classes. And even right here with the pandemic, my company is still running classes. We're doing outdoor classes, which is really cool. So I'm able to do that, you know, throughout the week as well as also running my own business. Wow. We have Orange Theories here. I actually know what you're talking about. So I'm excited about <laughs> nice. that. Nice. Yeah. They're, they're, we're all across the country. We're even in Australia. Wow. What we don't have is nice enough weather to exercise outside all day. I did do Zumba this morning in 30 degree weather out in a parking lot. So, uh, nice. once you get moving, it's so bad. As long as you're moving, you stay warm on. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you. I, I have so many questions. Some you answered oh, along the way, but what a powerful story and geez, I'm so proud of you just listening to you to take that as an opportunity the way you did. When you said, I started my business in the pandemic, I think you actually started your business a long time ago. You're just executing it now. Yes, I like that. So the jail part of this, I'm glad that you brought it up because gamblers embezzle, steal, do bad things to get money. Mm -hmm. So it's a good point that prison's an opportunity if you make it an opportunity. So I'm I'm really glad that you shared that. I got to... Do the digging deep here because you touched on something that I've come to believe is the most important thing about my recovery. Because I had quit gambling for two years and then I went back out for a year and a half and then I went back. And this time I don't feel like I'll ever gamble again. And it's because I did that inside work. So you talked about that a little bit. And I guess I'm curious about how you had your aha moment. Was it from going to the 12-step programs? Was it the mentor? Was it a combination? Like, do you know where that kind of shifted for you? Where you can, so on on my show, I'd call it a bucket, that we have this bucket of negative stuff. And even if we filled it with positivity, which is basically the, the surface stuff, we never took care of the inside and emptied out the bucket so that we can keep it plenished. So when you draw out your positive, the negative shit's still there. And that's what leads us back to the drugs, the bet, the whatever. So that's what I was thinking of when you said that. So what helped you scoop out your negative out of your bucket? Well, Bobby, I want to say that for me, so back to San Quentin, okay? So San Quentin, California, San Quentin has the largest uh, population of life lifers, right? These are uh, men that are doing life sentence. A lot of them are in there for possibly killing someone. And a lot of them want to get out right? And in order to get out, they have to, they really have to change, 
right? They can't just say they changed. There has to, you know, like they have to go in front of a board of like doctors and psychologists and lawyers and really prove that they have changed from the person they were. And most of them like are, are doing 25 to life. So 25 years in, they can finally go in front of this board and attempt to get out, right? So they're all in these programs. So when I started diving deep and really going to, like, I went to every program, Bobby. I mean, seriously, I did Shakespeare. I did yoga, like whatever they had to offer, I did, right? And in doing all these programs, I started running into these men that are 30, 40, 50 years old. Maybe some of them were in their 60s or 70s that have been in prison for 20, 30, maybe 40 years, right? Some of them have been in prison longer than I've even been alive, okay? And, you know, being able to sit there and be in a room with someone that potentially, you know, we don't talk about each other's crimes, but could have, you know, if someone's doing life, they potentially killed somebody, right? To sit there and see someone that potentially killed someone and has now been in prison for 40 years because of it, break down and cry because they can, they can go back to a specific incident in their life that they've used as an excuse for years to act in a specific way, that right there started to force me to look at those same things as well, right? So I can't say there was a specific moment like, aha, I get it now. It was more like a gap in time where there's multiple aha moments, okay? Because there's, there, there have been multiple times where I hear someone say something like, oh, wow, I've been through that same situation myself, right? So if I don't fix it now, I could potentially be in this person's shoes at some point in my future, right? And I started seeing this. I started seeing these guys that were, you know, like, that had, like, you know, grandkids they've never seen or, you know, or, or even children they've never seen or, you know, like, you know, their children have children, you know, like, all this time they've been in here, right, because of something that might have happened to them when they were 10 years old that their dad said or that their mom did or that affected them so much that they let it eat them away inside to eventually snap on someone else potentially of, of like an innocent victim, right? And took that anger or that frustration out on this person and now they're stuck in this cell for the rest of their life. Potentially, they might not ever even get out, you know? And so it was just during that period when I was working, I was working in the, one of these programs and stuff that I was starting to work on myself. Right. And as I started to work on myself, I started doing a lot of writing, you know, and started and doing this writing. I started to find ways where I was acting out. And I like to talk about this a lot is, is I, I was spending so much time in my life making excuses for my behavior. Okay. I'm angry because my dad's an angry man. Right. And I used to say this all the time. My dad's, I'm not going to sit here and be like, I'm not a calm person, Bobby, because I still have anger issues. Right. But now they're a lot quicker. Now they're not as devastating. Now I, I can rein them in a lot quicker. I'll get mad and frustrated. And then I'm like, all right, man, calm down. This is stupid. Why are you mad about this? Let's figure out why, right? But for so many years, I would sit there and be like, I'm just angry because my dad's angry and it's just in my blood. And I'm just a, a drug addict because my mom's a drug addict and it's just in my blood. Okay, but what am I going to do about it? There's something in recovery that, that they talk about. It's like, you're not responsible for your addiction, but you are responsible for your recovery, Okay. So I, I didn't choose to be an addict, right? Right. But right. I'm responsible to keep, to, to do what I need to do, not to let that addiction run control and run rampant in my life, you know? So yeah, so, so for so many years, I used to, I used excuses, you know? And I grew up in a bad neighborhood, so I'm just destined to be a criminal. Okay, well, guess what? Not everyone that grew up in bad neighborhoods is a criminal. Some of them grew up to be even cops. Some of them grew up to be lawyers, doctors, you know? Like I made a conscious decision to use the neighborhood I grew up in as an excuse to behave in a manner that's not consistent with society standards, you know? 
And now I'm able to look at that and make those changes. You know, no longer do I make excuses on someone else's behavior have an effect on what I'm going to do. Yeah. You still go to 12 step stuff. I do. I mean, right now the pandemic where everything's closed down. So there, there's really, I mean, where I'm at, there's a few meetings from time to time, but they don't work with my schedule currently. So I don't actually go to them, but I'm still in contact, consistent contact with people that go, that do AA or NA. And I have a sponsor that I work with and I, you know, I still, you know, I do morning readings. I, you know, I still, I'm still consistent with my efforts, you know, sometimes more than other times. I, I do feel that sometimes when I'm feeling a bit more emotional, I'll dive a little bit deeper into those things. I'll sit down and write some stuff out because if I don't, I'll start acting out, you know? I, I can hear some of the 12 step programming in your responses. That's why I was asking. It sounded like you're still pretty dialed in. I know I haven't been as good about the going to meetings either. I've hit a couple of the Zoom ones since we've been on lockdown. It's a good option to have an option. It's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah, it's not the same. And I can't remember what you just said that made me think that. I guess it'll come back to me. I also had the parenting class written down. So I'm kind of curious, do you think, this is just kind of a fun question, but do you think that that class added like some value? Like if you're coaching clients now that are parents, like, do you think it helps you with some connection? I do actually, I do. So I do know that, so I have a few clients that are parents and I have this one woman that I train that sometimes when I go to, and I train her in person and her daughter likes to come join us. Right. And I just, I really like that dynamic. Right. It's, it's just cute because her daughter has like some little like two pound weights and she does like the, the press with them and she's like just mimicking her mom. And it's just the cutest, right? And yeah, I think that's definitely important. I think it's also important because it allows me to have a little bit more insight with those that are parents, right? Has, you know, kind of an, an, an idea of what, you know, like I don't have kids. I, eventually I want to have kids. I have a girlfriend that has kids. So I definitely would like to use those parenting skills to help with her <laughs> kids, you know? But yeah, so I definitely think that it, it helps give me a little bit more insight on what they potentially might be going through as a parent so that I can be more empathetic to it. I guess I needed clarification too. I made some assumptions about the coaching. You said fitness, health, and mindset. Yes. So you're doing, you're doing more than just workout? Yes. Okay. Because yes. it might so have I you do, for doing that. So with my um, online and with my in-person training, we do workouts both. Strength training, hit training, I do cardio plans for them. I do nutrition plans as well. And then I have mindset modules completed that help guide them through, you know, every week there's a different topic that I go over, things that I've used to change my mindset because, you know, actually before working with Eric or, you know, my coach, your coach, or before working with Eric, you know, I was just doing fitness. And he brought it to my life. He goes, dude, you have a lot more to offer, you know? So before even talking with Eric, I was ashamed of my story. This was a big thing for me, right? I got a job working for Orange Theory, which is kind of uh, considered a high-end company, right? We're all across the country. And, you know, I was like ashamed of my story. I hadn't talked about my story on my social media. You know, only people that knew me personally knew parts of my story, okay? I didn't want to tell these people like that I work with, like, hey, you know, I did 10 years in prison. I'm a recovering drug addict, alcoholic. You know, I, you know, all this, you know, trauma that I've survived or, or been through, you know, I was ashamed and it wasn't, I was ashamed of myself, but I was ashamed of, I guess I was kind of ashamed of myself actually more about like just ashamed that I had once been that person. That's not truly who I am, you know? 
And so, you know, working with Eric, he helped me kind of just figure out that that's, you know, my story can help people. Okay. That I have a story that maybe the women or that I work with, or maybe the people that watch my Instagram, maybe they've never been to prison. Maybe that's never even been a possibility. Maybe they've never even seen a drug. Okay. But to be able to speak on struggles and trials and tribulations and to be able to speak on hitting rock bottom, whether rock bottom is, you know, a prison cell or rock bottom is a divorce or rock bottom is losing a job, uh, losing a kid, losing a pet. You know, we all have our rock bottoms and just being able to speak on being able to rise from that rock bottom, learn from it and grow from it can affect a lot of people. You know, and when I finally got the courage to um, share my story on my social media, right? I did an IGTV. I, it took me about 10 minutes to get the story out. I spoke, you know, from the heart. And I had so many people reach out to me. Like, oh my gosh, I never knew that. Thank you for sharing that story. People that my assumption, my messed up mindset was like, oh, these people are going to hear my story and never want to talk to me again, right? Like I got these, you know, clients that I work with where I go to their house and they got a white picket fence and a couple cute poodles <laughs> and they got kids and they got the married and all this good stuff going on. I'm like, oh, as soon as they hear my story, they're going to be like, I don't lock the door. Don't let this guy in the house, you know? And I didn't get none of that, you know? I didn't get none. And in fact, I got a lot of support. Right. And I got a lot of people that reached out to me like, you know what? I've never been to prison, but I've struggled with this or I struggled with that. I've been depressed. I've had anxiety issues. I've had these, these similar things that I faced. Maybe they, I've dealt with it in a different way, but changing that mindset is how we rise from it. You know? So that's why I started to put together my mindset modules and I share that with my clients because I think that's a huge thing, right? Because you can work out all day long. You can eat super healthy, but if your mindset is garbage, Right? If you have a fixed mindset, your, your mindset is always going to tell you that you are overweight or you are too skinny or you are too short or too tall or not smart enough or whatever that negative self-limiting belief that's constantly being pumped through your head is, as long as that's still there, you're not going to be able to grow. You know? Yeah. You made a couple really good points that I want to call out. And one was sharing the story like you said, something's broken, right? Like we use or bet or whatever because something is broken. I would imagine there's a parallel between what makes a person overweight, right? Whether it's the sugar addiction or the food addiction or whatever. So I think that there's a connection point there too. Am, am I thinking about that correctly? I totally agree with you. I totally agree that, you know, and a lot of it is, so for me, I, you know, when I dove deep and I started working on myself internally, like, I use drugs to run away from problems, right? I don't want to deal with life. So if I'm high, I'm in a different parallel universe, right? Or I'm drunk or whatever. I don't have to deal with what life is throwing at me, right? Because what life is throwing at me is very uncomfortable. And I don't know how to deal with it. So let me just come over here, get high, and then it doesn't matter. People use food for that. People like, you know, gambling. They use sex for that. They use, you know, TV is a huge one, right? TV, people want to, so many people watch TV, because they just want to tune out the world. Yep. I can sit here and watch this mindless show on Netflix for four hours and binge watch the newest episodes and not have to think about X, Y, Z. My work sucks and my boss is mean to me and my wife is, you know, nagging or my husband never says he loves me or whatever issues we might have, right? And we tune out and we find different ways, whether, you know, I'm going to go binge eat a bunch of food, binge watch TV, go drink a bottle of whiskey, Whatever, whatever it is, right? So many, you know, gamble all my money away, you know? Like, it's interesting because I, I, you know, with gambling, okay? 
I just went out to Vegas this last weekend and I didn't go out to the gamble. It was my first time ever in Vegas. I'm not a gambler. I'm grateful for that, right? I, I think I gambled seven dollars. Like, okay, I'm done. You know, like I lost seven dollars. I'm done. You know, like I don't I'm not a big fan of just giving my money away. I worked hard for it, you know. But I can see where the addiction is, right? And I and I was there and I was like, I was seeing all these people just like, you know, stuck on those machines for hours, you know, and I was there actually for a leadership event, you know. So I went out there for the leadership event. Everyone was like, You're going to Vegas and to do what? Like it was a pretty intense leadership event I went for. But yeah, it's it's just it's crazy how people like you know just with gambling, you know, they will fly to Vegas just to sit in front of that that slot machine for eight hours. Ding 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 ding. ding. Whether they win or lose, they're focused so much on that slot machine. Nothing else in the world matters, right? It's the same I was doing with drugs. The same people do with TV, sex, food, whatever it is. You know, you use something outside of yourself, an external source, not to deal with what's going on internally. Exactly. You're absolutely right. It's, it's numbing. It's isolating. It's no different than anything that you described. And money, it's interesting in gambling, at least for me, money doesn't mean anything. I don't believe it means much. I think maybe in the beginning when people start gambling, they think it's about the money. It's really not about the money. Money is a tool. Like, cause you could win really big, but generally you're not leaving. When you win big, you go, Oh, I get to stay here longer now. It's really fucked up thinking. It's so bad. The other thing I want to bounce back to, and I'm glad that you had a good trip to Vegas. I should have asked you about that when we first got on. The transparency. It's a really big deal coming out, sharing your story, breaking through our expectations of how people will perceive us. So I love that you said people were amazing and, you know, reaching out. I just have to ask, just to be clear, to test my theory, was there anyone that was like a jerk about it? Any one person? No, not no. one person. Okay, thank not you. One, not one person. I even had people reach out to me that like, you know, like people that are like, I had I had probation officers, I had a few cops reach out to me like, dude, I didn't know you've been to prison. Well, you're an awesome guy. You're still a good friend. Like, I got a buddy, he's a federal law enforcement agent. He was like, oh, wow, man, that's, I'm glad you got out, you know, I'm glad you got out of that lifestyle, man. Yeah. You know, and he was tell, told me his story and everything. I was just like, oh, wow, I didn't know that about him either, you know? And I think that a lot of, I do believe that because of the persona I've, you know, the person I've become now is really the person I've been all along. So it's a lot easier for me to act the way I act now because that's who I am, right? I'm not putting on a front or a facade, you know? That's a big thing. Like I talk about all the time is a facade. A lot of people put on a facade, like, you know, whether... You know, for me, it was this big, you know, I got big and buff in prison. I got covered in tattoos because I wanted to look super tough, right? Bobby, I have a pet bunny rabbit, okay? <laughs> He's right over here next to me, watching me talk about her while we're on this, you know, podcast. Like, I, I know, I mean, I could be a big tough guy if I needed to, you know, don't try to steal my girlfriend's purse. I will, you know, I will be a tough guy if I have to, you know, but I'm really a nice person, you know? And, and, and my mom raised me to be a really sweet guy. And, you know, I, I, I buried that guy down deep because I thought I had to be, you know, like you talked about expectations, right? So I put myself in a situation, whether it be in prison or running the streets as a drug addict, you know, where I was expected to be a certain way, you know? And when I stopped putting that, when I stopped bringing that expectation and I started just being who I am, who Paul is, right? That's when I started to bring more positive people around me as well, you know? They say you you attract what you are, you know? 
And so if you put out positivity into the universe, if you put out success into the universe, you're going to attract those same type of people, right? And the more I do that, the more I progress in life, the more I, I strive for betterment on a daily basis, right? Even the name of my business is called A Better You Fitness, right? It's not about getting toned. It's not about getting buff or losing a thousand pounds or gaining the biggest arms in town. It's just about becoming a better you. That's all. All my clients, I just ask them, let's just work on becoming a better you. How can I help you and bring you value and help you become a better version of yourself? I don't want you to be better than your neighbor or your cousin or your sister. Like that's irrelevant. Let's just become better every single day. Let's work towards becoming a better version of ourselves. Right? Like that's my goal every morning, Bobby, is I wake up. And I think, how can I, what can I do today to become a better version of myself? And what value can I bring to others to help them do the same? You know? Well, I really commend you. And it's, it's really like awesome that you're sharing your story, that you're able to use it to connect with the right people. Like that's so huge. And you're right. You, you get back what you put out for sure. And I'm sure that the clients probably can progress a lot faster with through that connection and through your you know being honest and you showing up the way that you do it's pretty exciting i'm glad i got to know you a little better today is there anything that i forgot to ask or that you hadn't touched on that you might want to talk about actually you know because you mentioned it you want to can we talk a little bit about vegas sure okay so uh, yeah so i recently did this event it's called the championship leadership 24 and it's basically it's a 24-hour event put on by two top-of-the-line soldiers. One was a Navy SEAL for most of his career. The other one was a Army uh, Army Lieutenant, all right? And they now have a coaching, they do coaching, you know, and uh, they put on this leadership event. It's a 24-hour event from 7 a.m. one day to 7 a.m. the other day. You're just going, we're hiking, we're in the, you know, like there's just a lot of, it's the physical and mental stressors, right? And it's it's a, it was a really amazing event because, you know, like physically I was, I was physically ready for it. I trained for it, right? But you had to be so mentally tough to finish this event because there's no sleep in these 24 hours. They're putting you through, you know, we're literally in and out of the Colorado River in Las Vegas in the middle of November. Freezing cold. Like, I was not prepared for that water. And, you know, and, but it was all about, okay, this sucks. This is uncomfortable. But life is uncomfortable. There are moments when life sucks, Okay. Jason Bynes has an acronym for the word discipline, right? And I don't know the entire acronym, okay? I haven't memorized it yet. I got to reach out to him and get it from him because I love it, right? I heard him talking about it on a few podcasts that I, you know, but the E is embrace the suck, right? And that always stands out to me, right? Because when you embrace the suck, when you embrace whatever's going on in your life that just is not comfortable, right? You embrace it and you think, how can I learn, Okay. And that leadership event, I mean, I went out to Vegas to get put through the ringer, okay? And that's exactly what happened. And there was moments of that event where I was just like, this really sucks. I don't like this. This is not comfortable. This is not cool. What can I learn from this? What can I use this? And, and how can I use what I'm learning here, what I'm going through right here, and bring it to my clients, right? Bring it to the people that I work with or just bring it to my audience. Anyone that's uh, bring it to your audience right now when we're talking about it, you know, like life is going to throw monkey wrenches at you. You know, like life is never going to be easy. If life is easy, then it's just, that's kind of boring in my opinion, right? But what are you going to do about it, right? You get something thrown at you, there's two options. You can cower up and just let it take you down. Or you can be like, all right, that sucked. What can I learn from it? How can I fix it? How can I use it to make my life better and then turn around and make someone else's life better? 
Yeah. I'm glad that it was a good experience. That sounds very challenging. Hugely super. challenging. Yeah, super. You should do it. I don't know that I'm physically equipped <laughs> for that. It sounds pretty intense. Maybe someday. I'm not good with cold. I'm not good with no sleep. I don't know. <laughs> this doesn't like, sound like it's my cup of tea. But, wow, thanks for sharing that. Well, it's been a pleasure. I'm so excited. We will, well, I'll talk to you about that after, I guess. But thanks for being here. Any final thoughts? No, Bobby, I really appreciate you Let me come on the show and share a little value with your audience and have a great conversation with you. If anyone does want to reach out to me, they can find me at the underscore coach underscore Paul or www.betteryoufitnessllc.com. So better you with the, the Y-O-U spelled out or the letter yeah, U? It's a better you LLC. Yeah, All Y-O-U right. spelled out. Perfect. All right. Thanks, Paul. Awesome, Bobby. Thank you. Do you see what I mean? Wasn't that powerful? Well, guys, if you want to find Paul, he is on Instagram and he's on Facebook. So check him out. If you're struggling with some of the things that he's been through, give him a call. I'm sure he'll be happy to talk to you. Okay, beautiful. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you and have a great weekend.